Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up, throwing left side, watch Calvin, Enzo, got him, oh baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off, intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him, touchdown. Welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show brought to you by Indeed and by BetOnline. Go check out our sponsors on this holiday week. And we're just going to jump right into stuff as we usually do. There's not much to say today. The Lions, obviously, the big news out of there is that they had two positive COVID-19 tests. They put Anthony Pittman on the COVID-19 practice squad reserve list. They also activated Julian Okwara from injured reserve. So you could see Julian Okwara maybe play with his brother the last two weeks of the season. Maybe see a little bit of what he's got. Although at this point with him being out so long, it's tough to say exactly how much he'll be able to show. But it's at least a start. It's at least some progress. It's at least something that maybe he can get to build on for next year with Julian Okwara. Lions had to close their facility on Tuesday. They don't know whether they're going to be open Today, that's going to be based off of close contact tracing and everything else. Daryl Bevel did not have information as of midday on Tuesday of what that would look like here for today. My guess is we'll find something out about that early on on Wednesday, which would be this morning. And that the Lions will go from there, whether it means they get to practice or they're going virtual for another day. Sounds like Matthew Stafford is going to be in for another rough week. Daryl Bevel said he's doing a little bit better at this point this week than he did last week. Another good sign. And that's really all that there is to say, obviously, after yesterday's big-time news, meaning Monday's big-time news about Braden Combs and then the COVID stuff today with the Lions. It's been a pretty intense, like, 54 hours or so for the franchise. On today's podcast, we have a good friend of mine coming on, and he'll be on right after the break, Daniel Dopp, one of ESPN's main fantasy experts. He is on The Fantasy Show, which you can watch on ESPN+. Plus. He's on The Fantasy Focus podcast. And if you didn't know this, he was on last year. He is a good friend of mine, but also a diehard Lions fan. Grew up watching the Lions. Is very, very invested in the franchise. So we have a long talk about the Lions, where they are now, what it's like being a fan, where he hopes they go for the future. We also talk a little bit about fantasy football. So if you're in championship games this week, he has some low-key, potentially good advice that if you're in a bind, in a pinch due to injuries or whatnot, this can maybe help you win your fantasy league championship. So we're going to get to all of that just on the other side of the break. Sorry I don't have all that much 
else for you, but it's just this time of year. You should be knowing this as Lions fans at this point. Nothing really to play for. Everything kind of looking to the future. One thing to note, though, as well, and maybe this will come up on tomorrow's episode or the day after, but teams can start interviewing potential head coaching candidates today. That's a change now by the NFL this season. They can do it virtually, so perhaps maybe the Lions start talking to some head coaching candidates along with the general manager candidates that they've been interviewing over the last few weeks. So that's obviously going to be something to watch as well. We'll be back right after the break with Daniel Dott of ESPN. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over, much to the happiness of probably everybody. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. That's right, no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new New way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast, faster than even Matt Prater's 59-yard field goal went through the uprights. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football, as we have seen, is very much back in full swing. And you might not be at a game this year only 500 or so people can be in Lions games over the last couple of home games, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day. Every day, head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back our show. My next guest on the show has been on before. However, when he was on a year ago, our connection was terrible. It, it was a rough experience. So I'm hoping that we get a better go of it this time. He is everybody's favorite 
Lions fan at ESPN. He has the best beard at ESPN. He is my friend. I am very grateful for him to come on on this just before the holidays episode. Daniel Dopp, welcome back to the show. Thank you, man. I last time, if I remember correctly, it was bowling night. I have a. I'm in a bowling league with Mike Clay. Uh, our buddy DJ Gallo, who's one of the writers of the fantasy show, uh, and our friend Kyle Sapi, who is the researcher for Fantasy Focus. And so uh, now I'm in a house, in a home with good, stable internet. So hopefully this time will be like a little bit smoother than last time. I hope so, although you're right now frozen on my screen as I'm looking at you. So off to a, wow. off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> off to an awesome well, all the 20 minute like talk we had before all of this, like no connection issues at all. But of course, as soon as we hit the record button, everything falls apart. Right. I mean, no one's going to see the video, but still, <laughs> it's like, all right, let's, let's see how. So Dave Burkett, who you obviously know and follow, he's been on this show more than anybody. And I think I told you this, and I, I think listeners even know this, like he was supposed to be my first ever guest. We record, this is back when I still recorded at the bar that initially sponsored this show, Regents Field. And we recorded the entire episode and the engineer at the time messed up the recording and it was unusable. Yep. So like he came down to the bar, he brought his kids, uh, we talked for, we chopped it up for about an hour. And then I like text him to his like, I'm like, I am sorry for wasting your time. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. That's like my biggest fear as a producer is that you do an hour's worth of content around something. And then the recording comes out terrible and you either need to redo it or you just need to punt on that episode. And it's just like, ugh. As, as a producer, like, that's my biggest nightmare. Literally my biggest nightmare. Yeah. Well, we punted on episode one. <laughs> All right. So you're off to a Lions start. Like, that works out pretty well. We were, we were off for a Lions podcast, Lions-based podcast. We were off to the Lions-iest the Lions start I think you could ever be on. Um, really, we did not go rogue, but other than that. Yes. We were on off to a very lionsy start. We've only gotten better from there. We're up to, as your friend Matthew Berry likes to call himself mediocre and be in that me world of mediocrity. That's where I feel like this podcast is much like the Lions, always living in very much the world of mediocrity. So mediocre. Mediocre. There's nothing wrong with mediocre. Nothing no, there's nothing it. wrong with mediocre. I mean, the Lions had an offensive lineman for a couple of years, Kenny Wiggins, who that was the name of his woodworking company or it's not a company yet but that was his name of his woodworking was mr mediocre woodworking because that's what he was basically calling himself because he knew his nfl career was mediocre made it no. 10 years in the league but yeah <laughs> good for him i love that like i love embracing the idea of like a little bit of self-deprecation and being like hey i can have fun with this like i'm a journeyman in the nfl i'm never gonna be like a pro bowler from that perspective but like really thankful probably for his NFL career. And then it's like, Hey, I'm going to do some other stuff on the side. That is fun. I have to look that up. That's so yeah, good. He was, he's a, I actually wrote about it. This, I think that was this year because this year has been like six years in. Yeah. It's been brain, a long, this year. Long one. Uh, but not only that, he was, a, he was a guest on the podcast earlier this year talking about woodworking and other things. So yeah. Kenny Wiggins, man. Now with the giants, I believe. As an offensive. Player. I miss. Uh, I do like, I really liked Kenny Wiggins back in the day. I really did. Back, back in I the would, day. I would like. Back in the day, as in week six. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, he was with us for a, a handful of a handful of years, I felt like, as a backup. Correct? Or am I wrong? No, a, a few years. I think it was like three. 
think it ended yeah. up being like three years, three and a half maybe, and then he got got released and ended up in New York. Maybe I certainly feel like we've had bigger liabilities on the offensive line than Kenny Wiggins. Like he was the least of my frustrations of second tier offensive linemen. Fair. Absolutely. I totally understand that and get that. And somehow, because this is the exact free flowing nature of this show, this, we have started off by talking about Kenny Wiggins. <laughs> I know. Right? I know. <laughs> Clearly the topic that Lions fans want to listen to. So I wanted to have you on for a couple of reasons. First, obviously, as a lot of people know, you are a big Lions fan. And I wanted to chat a little bit about what's happened this season, what you'd like to see in the future, because I think you come at it from an educated fan perspective. And also, since your main job at ESPN, one of them is to help people not lose in fantasy, which you tried to help me not lose in fantasy this past Sunday. It did not go great, but that's not your fault. That's injuries and suspensions fault. Uh, Want to get some advice for you, for the listener that you might be able to provide for this weekend if you're in your championship game or you're one of those weird we're going to play in week 17 leagues that you're only in your semifinals and i still don't ever understand why you would ever do a league that goes to week 17 but that's just me ideally you you set it up so that it ends in week 16 when all of like the premier top guys are still playing and they're not getting benched for the playoffs as much as you can but uh you know, that's one of those things where, like, when you when you get into fantasy your first couple of years, you just sort of roll with what default settings are, and you don't get in there and want to mess around with it. And, like, our league manager tools, even if you don't have somebody that, like, wants to be, like, the main commish, like, just going in and, like, setting it up so that you have a little bit more flexibility is a big thing. So I'm totally with you. I am not an advocate for Week 17 uh, playoffs. No, they should not happen. Like, they just get away. There should be Week 18 playoffs, though. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> so let's start. Let's start with Lion stuff. Where do you feel as a fan about the organization right now? Because I think a year ago, at this point, it was living in the world of apathy and, and frustration, maybe even a little bit. Like, where are you now, knowing what's coming in ten days? You know, like not to say it's like a. a strangely emotional spot to be in but I, I feel like as a Lions fan a lifelong Lions fan I, you know I grew up in Michigan and I've been a, the only just the only team I've ever cheered for uh like this it's tough because I look at our team in a number of different areas and I'm like all right I like really like some of the pieces we have I love TJ Hawkinson man like what it is that that kid could be you know the way that he's such a, a good I feel like a good run blocker he's not a George Kittle type of a player, but he's absolutely a good pass catcher. He's someone that can stretch the field, someone that you have to, you know, worry about. Um, and so for, you know, I love him. I, I love what I've been able to see from DeAndre Swift. I would like to see him get better. And there's obviously some explosiveness uh, to his game that we haven't seen in a minute. I don't know why Adrian Peterson is still playing and it is nothing against Adrian Peterson personally. I just, I have no idea when you're out of the playoff run, why you want to see a 35-year-old running back out there and what it is that you're learning for the future of your team from that perspective. And, you know, unless this team, for some reason, which I, I don't totally get it, has just completely given up on Kerryon Johnson, I would, have, I would much rather see DeAndre Swift and Kerryon Johnson out there as a one-two combination. And if you want to spell some guys, like have it run that, you know, from that perspective or do some two running back sets. I understand that carry on kind of got a bad rap and, and he had some problems staying healthy, but 
I've always liked his game. I've never been like frustrated with what he brings good in pass protection. He's got good hands out of the backfield. And, and so, um, you know, I see those, I, you know, you hope that like, we figure some things out with Kenny Galladay, but there's a lot of uncertainty that defense is real bad. Mike, the defense is really, really bad. And I don't know what happens with Matthew Stafford and whether or not we're seeing the end of the Matthew Stafford era in Detroit. Um, and I have mixed feelings about that. I would love to have a cost controlled rookie quarterback that, that would allow us to invest some of our cap space into other areas uh, in the team that we really need some, an influx of talent. Uh, at the same time, I literally, I literally could not ask for a quarterback that would give more to this team and this city and this organization than a guy like Matthew Stafford. And I mean, he is legitimately like the iron man of iron men with what he's done because it's not just coming out here and doing this for a winning team and a team that is always constantly, you know, doing, uh, you know, deep playoff runs. Like he gives it everything every single week. And on a team like the lions, no offense to lions fans or the lions organizations, like, it can be hard to keep that motivation when it feels like you're continually not in the top tier of the, of the teams in the league. So um, I am left feeling uncertain because we're in the same spot we've been in a number of times trying to figure out what do you do from a coach and from a GM perspective. And I, like everyone else, I would love to find the, the guys that, that come in and that's it. And we stop having this turnover over and over and over and over. So it doesn't feel like you're hitting the reset button every three years because you just can't build and develop consistency that way. So, I mean, on one hand, on one hand, I feel hopeful with some of the young pieces we have. On, on the other hand, I feel uncertain, not knowing, you know, who it's going to be and, and knowing how to feel, uh, you know, the way that they're bringing people in and, and what they're going to do if I'm stoked and on board or if I'm more skeptical than I, than I should be. So a lot of feelings. Is it hard to, and I've always wondered this about Lions fans, and I talk to a decent amount of them, obviously, between Twitter and just living in Michigan. How do you stay, I don't even say positive, but how do you stay, like, invested in a team that hasn't won in six decades? Sure. Well, fantasy football is one way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, I feel really strongly about this and it's not just for Lions fans it's for fans of any team who have been there for you know a number of years I don't feel bad getting frustrated at Detroit I don't feel bad saying bad things about the Lions and I don't feel bad because I love them more than anybody else that is out there like these diehard Lions fans that have followed them their entire career I mean I I remember as a little kid sitting down and watching Barry Sanders with my father and like the memories that I have with them, the, the place and role that they have had in my life. And the idea that, you know, this is a team that I will talk poorly about. And as soon as they turn it around, like I'm right there with you. I'd never abandon them. I'm never, I'm going to stop watching. It's just, you know, I feel every right to be frustrated. It's the same way. Like if you have a sister, it's like, I can talk badly about my sister, but you're not allowed to talk badly about my sister. Like, it's one of those kind of things where, you know, when you're a part of an, uh, a part of an organization, I almost said a part of an organization, when you're a part of uh, your fandom in an organization that is just so deeply rooted in who you are and where you come from, it's like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going to do. And I really do feel like some of that hope and that justification is the understanding that 
there's more sports than football in the world. Football at the end of the day, isn't everything, although it means a lot, like it's not the, you know, end all be all. And truly like that moment when we do finally do something as a franchise that is worthwhile, like the joy and hope that you feel where it's like, yes, this is finally paying off. And this is going to be something that like, I, you know, I can share this with my father and my brother and all these other Lions fans who have felt hurt year after year. It's just, I don't know. There's, there is, I don't want to say a camaraderie in losing, but there's a camaraderie and understanding of we're in it for the long haul, regardless of where it takes us. And you reserve the right to feel the way that you feel and to say the things that you feel because they're real. Uh, but at no point have, like, have I ever thought about changing fandoms or becoming a fan of a different team? Like, it's just, you're along for the ride. And I'm just going to be honest with the way I feel about it. And I'm very okay with that. The fact that you look at teams like the Blackhawks, the Cubs, the Red Sox, even this year in the NFL, the Bills and the Browns and what they've been able to do. Uh, and, and three years ago when they hired Matt Patricia, I actually went, uh, I think, I, I feel like I probably talked to you at some point on this long drive. I went one day in Detroit, one day in Cleveland at the 0-16 parade, and then the Bills with their first playoff game in like 19 uh-huh. years or whatever it was. And I spent a day in each city, like in those events to write about like what drives these three Rust Belt cities. And I've, I pulled that story back the other day because like, as I was watching the Browns on Sunday night football, because I was like, yeah, like, I, I actually reread it. I never read, reread stories and I'm reading it. And like, you see the hope that all of them had and like where they are. And the lions are basically back where they were three years ago. Yeah. Like, do you, as a Lions fan, look at what the Browns are doing, the Bills are doing, and in other sports, what has happened with Chicago, with the Blackhawks, with you know the Cubs, with the Red Sox? And does that do you, do you derive hope from that, or you just get like, why hasn't this happened in Detroit yet? No, it's very much hope. I mean, I so you know one of the members of our podcast, uh, Keith Lipscomb, or not cool Keith as we call him, he's been a Browns fan his whole life. You know, grew up in Ohio has always been a Browns fan. And so I get stoked when I get to see teams like that do well, because I get it, man. Like I, no one wants other, like I love seeing people get excited and like rewarded for, for what it is that they've invested in these teams. I mean, it's time and energy and money and jerseys and ticket sales and driving to games and doing all of these things. And like, you know, there is, there is an investment that people have from that perspective. So, um, I definitely feel hope from that when I see teams like that, because it's like, all right, and not to be rude about it, but like if the Browns can do it sooner or later, it's going to happen for the lions too, because we've been right there with them hand in hand as two of the worst franchises in the NFL over the last 25 years. So uh, I, I definitely, I don't know. I definitely feel more hope when I see that and excitement because that's more of what I feel like, you know, someday it will be us. I just hope that, you know, me and my would love for my father to be around when it happens, uh, you know, as a lot of people do. I mean, seriously, that's the thing when you talk about like the Cubs or the Red Sox and you, you watch them, it's like a lot of people talking about like, hey, you know, my grandfather's been a Red Sox fan his whole life, 70 plus years, and he's never seen it. And we just want to get him a, you know, a, a, a championship before, you know, he passes away. And it's like, I, I feel that hard, man. Like I would love all of the time I have spent dedicated to this team with my family uh, and my dad specifically 
to be able to like have that rewarded. And I feel that way about every team across every sport. Like it's, there's an investment. People invest into sports for a reason because of the joy and the excitement that it brings them. So uh, it's definitely more positive feelings when I see teams like the Bills and the Browns than it is like, oh, I can't believe that it's never going to happen to us kind of a feeling. It's interesting you mentioned joy because on this show this year, that's been a common theme because a lot of the times in the mailbags, they'll ask, why should I still root whatever? And I always, the same answer. And you and I have talked about this. I give the same answer all the time, which is if something doesn't bring you joy and this is in any portion of your life, not just sports fandom, why do it? Yep. Like, is that like, do you wrestle with that more? Uh, because like, you're just you, like, you even just talked about joy and I can't imagine, and maybe this is just me not being a fan and frankly, not really be having been a big fan of any team for a while. I have certain mild like rooting interests, but not anything in football for sure. Like, is that something I just don't get or is like, is there joy still there in this or do you have to fight through that in like eras like this, like the last three years? Um, you know, I'll tell you this. It's been tougher these last couple of years because all Detroit sports have been pretty bad. Um, I feel like when you're going through it, like I, I, I grew up with like the bad boys and they were real good, like for a long time. Uh, and I was just a kid when that happened, but like to have them and Barry Sanders was like, I felt a lot of that. And then you had the Russian five with the, the Red Wings and like the number of consecutive playoff appearances that they had, uh, you know, record breaking um, from that standpoint was like great. So, and I love that. And the Tigers were real good for a while in the two thousands and the, you know, Pistons uh, with their championship run in the 2000. And like, and then it kind of hit a point where all Detroit sports just sort of sucked for a while. <laughs> um, and that part, you know, when you talk about joy, there's a part, I'm a, while I'm a Lions fan, like I'm a Detroit sports fan. I love all, all of our, you know, major sports teams. And so it's been diminished a little bit from that perspective, but I also would be lying if I didn't say that's a tough question to ask now that football has become more of a job and less of a hobby. And I know that, I know that, that, I know that you get that, but it's, you know, I, I look at football a little bit differently than I used to, given the fact that fantasy is such a major aspect of everything that I do. I have less investments in teams um, and more investments in, like I see players that I just love and want to root for. Guys that I'm just excited about in the NFL. I love watching DeAndre Hopkins, man. Like he's one of my favorite wide receivers in the NFL, the way he attacks the ball. Uh, you know, watching him and understanding his story. Mina Kimes wrote a story about him that was like really, I, I thought, phenomenal. And um, everything that that he he is, like, I love that. Like, I love having players where it's like, I just want to root for that guy. I feel that way about James Robinson right now, watching an undrafted free agent come in on one of the worst teams in the league and absolutely crush it. And it's like, good for you, man. Like, you proved to everybody that you belong here over everybody else that was drafted ahead of you. Like, I, I love stories like that. And so... Um, I think it's easier for me to find joy within sports, not just within the Lions, because if that's where it was at, it would be a very cynical, you know, mindset. Um, but I think when you look at it as an overarching larger picture, like it's easier to be able to take that, those positive feelings and emotions out of what is just fandom in general, um, if, if that makes sense. It does. I, and 
I think I know a little bit of this answer because I know some of your friends and I've interacted with some of your like lifelong friends over the years who are Lions fans and in some cases diehard Lions fans. Like how do you have that conversation now? And has, has what you do now changed the tenor of your conversations with them about this? Um, to an extent, I think over the last couple of years, in all honesty, there's been enough, you know, I don't want to say I was always the, I wasn't the optimist in our friend group. Like that just wasn't my mindset with the lions after a while. Um, you know, and I was more, there was more cynicism there than other stuff. And I, again, I totally feel like I reserved the right to feel that way when I've invested 20 plus years into this team and, and, I'm not abandoning them and I'm not leaving them, but like, I definitely feel cynicism towards like certain things that they've done. And it's like, I don't think, I don't think they've earned the right for me just to trust them off the, you know, off the cuff and say like, yeah, I am fully in on this. I think that I understand the, the vision. I think I understand the direction that you want to take this. Like I'm allowed as are all Lions fans to say, we're going to question this until we see it. Like it's what, you know, it's, it's, well, we want to hear it. We, you know, we want to see it. We want to see it. We want to see it. And it's like great that we get all the lip service and that we hear everything that every GM and every coach has ever said. And it's not, you know, particular about any one coach or GM at all. Uh, it's just the idea of, you know, we've had a lot of lip service over the last two decades of this is what we want. This is what we're looking for. This is what we expect. This is, you know, the expectations we have for this team at, this, at the end of the season are this. And it's like, eventually, just like in any relationship, because that's what it is, is a relationship you get tired of lip service and it's like, all right, well then show me with results, show me with actions. I want to see it. And I'm here and I'm, I'm invested with you, but I want to see it more than I want to hear anything else. So I think some of the other fans that I've had that are more um, optimistic, you know, some of my lifelong friends, they've sort of come around to a little bit of that. And the idea of those 11 and five or 10 and six early season you know, projections of where we're going to end up usually end up more around the nine and seven, eight and eight. Uh, and when, when, when I know that my friends that are, are super optimistic about the lions are saying, well, I think, you know, we got a real a serious shot at nine and seven this year. It's like, that's not, you know, I I'm glad that you have recalibrated your, your expectations, but I'm, you know, also that should be an indication of we are sort of on the same page. I'm just not looking at the bright side as much as you are. Cause I feel like I'm being more of a realist from that perspective. So I, this all sounds so depressing and I, I try to be such like a positive love. Everybody things are great kind of a person, but I just, you know, that's how it is with the lions. It feels like. Well, so like you were talking about needing to earn trust, what would, what could they do at this point to earn your trust back? Because obviously they're about to undergo a regime change. What seems like in totality I guess yeah. there's still a chance that Daryl Bevel keeps his job as like on a permanent basis, but I, I feel like that's probably a, a small chance at best. Yeah. So what would you need to see to kind of say, you know what? All right. I, I actually am going to trust this. I actually going to believe in it. I want to see investment from Sheila on down from the idea that this isn't just, uh, this isn't just, something that that how do i say this the idea that ownership is as invested as all of us are and when you look at it you put 
people that are good decision makers, that have track records of being good decision makers, that have proven records that, you know, got that when you're coming in and you're hiring coaching staffs and GMs and talent evaluators and all these things, I want to feel like there's a direction. I want to feel like there is a, hey, we're bringing in the guy that everybody else wanted this offseason, but we were able to get him. Not settling for the second or third choice like it feels like we do often. And, and that is nothing against, you know, I was really excited when we brought in Bob Quinn, and I was hopeful when we brought in Matt Patricia. Um, that soured really quickly, more on Patricia than on, on Bob, in, for me personally. Um, but the idea that you have investment and you actually feel like we're not just going to settle for mediocre, like there is a tr true expectation of excellence. And, you know, the way that, that we come in and everyone wants to talk about culture and we want these things and we want these things. And again, I don't think there's one thing that will happen. It's I want to quit hearing it with my ears and I want to start seeing it with my eyes, both on the field and in the front office. That's what gives me trust when I watch, you know, these winning organizations and that they're not just building with the players on the field. They're building with their coaching staffs from the top down, from their GM all the way through. And that's a thing that I've just never felt like, Hey, we've got a serious investment in getting a guy like Sean McVay, or we've got a serious investment in getting a, shy, a guy like, you know, pick any one of these. You know, I don't know if Eric Bieniemy is going to be the guy this year. I don't know if Robert Sala is going to be the guy this year. I don't, you have no idea where it's, how it's going to work out uh, from that perspective, but like it, it is a, it is a identifying what it is that we're looking for and truly feeling like there's a, a direction. And I've just felt like the Lions have been very directionless. Uh, for a while from that perspective. The things that we said we were improving on or the things we said of, well, we gotta get better at this. You can't just say, well, that's a thing we gotta get better at week after week after week and then not see it on the field. Like it just doesn't mean anything to me at that point. What, what could you possibly be referring to? I, you know, <laughs> everything over the, over the last three years of the Lions fan. So. I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, dude, everything's just gotta get better, man. Just gotta Across get the board. And I, I like, Gotta get I would be there day one, like stoked and ready because I'm, I still have an investment in the team. I will always love this team. Like that's not going to change, but you know, eventually it's like, I take, I approach lions fandom with a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, I want to, I'm going to reserve myself. Like I'm not going to fully put it out there because I've watched myself get excited and get invested and get emotional just to feel like you're let down over and over and over again by questionable calls or why are we playing these people or what are we doing? Like, why is this offensive coordinator doing this thing? Or boy, if we have a defensive guy that's supposed to be this good, why does our defense suck so badly? Like, I'm not the only one asking these questions. Like that's all of Lions fandom everywhere across the state. And so it's, it's this investment of like feeling like, we're really going to take this seriously because it's like, we just, you, you wait so long and so long. And it's like, how long do you continue to put up with the punishment of feeling like you're bad? And it's like, well, we want to give them a chance to get better. We want to give them this. We, and it's like, eventually after you've had 15 coaches that have all done the same with the same result, you just lose that. Whether it's right or wrong, it's an emotional sport. It's an emotional thing that people get invested into. And it's just, that's how it works. So, and as I say that, my dog is about to bark at the dog across the 
uh, who just ran outside. So I apologize if that comes through on the on the Zoom call. Oh, it's it's all right. It's okay, Dexter. It's okay. <laughs> um, when you so like you're talking about like when you see them hire Chris Spielman, yeah, in a nebulous role. Yep. Does that give you that type of hope? Does that give you that type of thought of direction, or does it go to what you were talking about before, where you're like, well, I want people who have experience, and Chris Spielman, for as well known as he is doesn't have experience beyond talking and playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's tough because I really like Chris Spielman. I love when I watch games with Chris Spielman, uh, I feel like I learn something every time. You know, the way that he will break down a play or the way that he'll, you know, show how something happens and explain it to you, the listener or the viewer. Um, I think he does a really good job with that. Um, it's tough because you're mixing you're mixing the emotion of what's the word that I'm looking for where you like something because it's an old thing nostalgia you're mixing like nostalgia and whether or not that person has the actual uh I don't want to say ability, not that Chris Spielman doesn't have the ability to do the job, but whether or not he's truly prepared and ready and would be as good as somebody else in that, you know, from that position who does have experience. And so when you're mixing, all right, I've got a player or a person that I feel nostalgic about and I love listening to them. Uh, I love it when they call Lions games because I learn, I feel like I learned a bunch of stuff, but then you put them in the front office and now we're making front office decisions. Uh, or you're weighing in on front office decisions, you know, to an extent, I want to be excited about that. But I, there's also a little bit of like, all right, but, you know, this isn't, this feels like a, this will help us in the local community when we're talking about things market potentially more than long term. This is a guy that we know, you know, has a proven track record of talent evaluation and, and helping, you know, organizations, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, there's a little bit of, of, it's an emotional game. And so it's not, I don't want to say that I'm not in on Chris because I want to be, I want to always be the guy that gives people the benefit of the doubt and hope that because eventually, you know, that's how coaching, you know, stuff works. Somebody gets an opportunity and they crush it to a point where you can't tell them no anymore. And so like, all right, well, we gotta, we've got to promote this person across all everywhere in life. It's like, well, they do so well, you can't keep saying no, you've got to give them more responsibility and more responsibility. So could Chris Spielman be that guy? Absolutely. Like maybe that could be it and that would be fantastic. Uh, this is nothing against Chris Spielman whatsoever. I would give him in a non-COVID world the biggest hug in the world and tell him how much I love him and what he does. 31 other NFL teams have not given him a role to be a true you know, part of their organization from that perspective. And what is it that I'm supposed to feel about that when it just feels like, you're kind of going back to the well of Lions nostalgia from that perspective. And, and you can call that, you know, cynicism uh, if you want, but it's like, if, if, if Chris really wanted to be a part of a front office, it just feels like an easy fit to go to Detroit. And that doesn't always give me the, the positive feelings that I want to feel that it's the right fit. It's more of, you know, he was here before and we know Lions fans know him and we know Lions fans love him. And, so it's got a little bit of that Barry Sanders kind of feel to it, which doesn't, you know, I don't love, 
but I also don't hate because you need that in the community. So like, it's, you know, it's not quite as black and white of an answer as I, as I would like it to be. You but. mean on the advisory committee, Barry Sanders? Correct. Yes. Who yeah. I, I don't really understand exactly what his, like they, you know, when they went through that, when they announced Spielman's hiring, they talked about the advisory committee. It's like, okay, you brought in Mark Hollis because he has experience running searches. They, they may not be football coach searches or professional football searches, but like the guys run a ton of coaching searches. So you're, you're getting the process point there. Yep. With Rod Graves, you're, you're getting an advisor. Now, obviously, he's part of the Fritz Pollard Alliance. So you're getting, you know, you're getting good information on, my, on minority candidates. My issue there is he's also advising multiple teams. Right. So what's, how is he actually laying this out? What is his role? Now, it sounds like he's just part of the vetting process, so you can kind of just give them all the information. But I, I like that they brought him in. I think that that's a valid thing, and I think it's a good thing. But I do wonder, because he's working with Houston as well and talking, you know, like his job is to talk to everybody. It's right. Well, Barry Sanders, we don't know what he's – he's just there to be Barry Sanders and maybe get people on the phone. Maybe, like, that's his job. I don't know. Sure. I think that there is, for me, oh, this is what it was. There is something to be said, and I'm not saying that Chris Spielman is just this guy, but I am far more analytical and, and want the Lions to be more analytical in their approach to the game. And it is not, I do not mean this because I, this might not be the way that Chris Spielman approaches the game uh, from a, an advisory committee. Maybe this is just a part of the way that he calls games, right? But I, I have zero interest in bringing somebody in that's like, well, we just need guys that are football players. We need guys that are good at, you know, these things. We need guys that are – and it's like, I don't, I don't want to hear that. Like, I don't want to hear, like, the old school, this is what we're looking for. Like, there is enough of that, of that old school mentality in football that I'm just not interested in. I'm far more like I would love to look at the analytics of what works here, what works there. And, and trust the smartest guy in the room when it comes to that. Now, understanding there's always a balance. You're talking about chemistry. You're talking about multiple people on a team. Everyone's got to get along. Everyone's got to be on the same page. So, like, it's not just money ball from that perspective. But I am very much, like, I, have, I don't want to do the, you know, we just want smash mouth kind of football guys. Like, that's not what I, I don't want to hear that from my coach. I don't want to hear that from my GM. I want to hear smart analytical decisions as to why this person fits within the the organization and what role they're going to play and how they're going to help this team win not just these what feels like you know veiled buzzwords around why this guy is good at football so last lions question then we'll get a little bit of fantasy before we get you out of here but last lions question is this so who would you want to see the franchise hire then i mean clearly you have thoughts and you have opinions on on what you want to see yeah. Exceptionally. So who would you like to see in these roles? There was a movie, oh boy, I'm going to say late 90s or early 2000s with Whoopi Oh, I Goldberg. thought you were going to say draft day. No, 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 no. There's a movie in the late 90s or early 2000s, uh, 1996. Uh, it's called Eddie. And she is a fan of the New York Knicks. And she actually takes over as coach of the Knicks. Whoopi Goldberg. And I'll tell you what with some of the things that I feel like I've seen over the last decade, I'd love to see Isaac get out there. Uh, our, our, like, I think Isaac like would be phenomenal as a lions coach. I think that people would love him. 
Like, let's get him out there and, and you know, and it, World of Isaac, in case you, people don't know, I hope as Lions fans, you probably know, uh, I'd, I would, one, root for him. Uh, after that, I struggle because I think our defense is so bad. Um, and I think we have some pieces on offense. It makes me, you know, this comes down to what happens with Stafford. And are we making a commitment to this quarterback for the next four or five years? And we're going to continue to build around him from that perspective. And in that case, um, I think I would, I really do want to be excited about a guy like Eric Bieniemy. I would love to have, uh, I would love to have an offense where it doesn't feel like we just line up. Everybody gets set. The defense sees exactly how you're set. And then nobody moves again for any kind of, you know, fake outs or shadow whatever or or any of these cat and mouse games like I would love to have an offensive coordinator and or a coach uh that puts a little bit more into that aspect of football because it just feels like we're so vanilla all the time across the board um that being said I think BNB would still probably be my number one I think bringing over the 49ers D coordinator would probably be number two Robert Sala, um, and both of those guys probably behind Isaac. I think, I think let's give him the reins, man. I like, listen, he's got, he's got as much clout as anybody else. No one is as plugged into Lions fandom. I feel like I identify with him more than anybody else in the world. Uh, I don't think he, I can't tell. I don't think he likes me particularly all that much, but I do feel like I would love to see him on the sidelines coaching the Detroit Lions. I don't know if he likes me all that much either. I, I don't know. I've never, I haven't really interacted with him in a long time, but yeah, no, he's, yeah. he's hilarious though. There's he's hilarious. Out. So yeah. before we get you out of here, let's talk a little bit of fantasy. Who are maybe some people that, and we'll use obviously the ESPN metrics here that maybe you should be looking at here in a one week, one off situation to try and win you a game. If say, you're sitting there and Derek Carr was your quarterback. You don't know what the, what's going to happen there. Or if Matthew Stafford has been your quarterback and you're not sure about his health or sure. some of the other guys who, are, who have been banged up, like who, who should people be looking at that could be that one-week sleeper that can be a guy that carries you out of nowhere to a title? Baker Mayfield for this week. Uh, Baker Mayfield takes on the Jets. They've looked really good the last couple of weeks. Four straight games, he's had over 18 fantasy points, and he's had uh, multiple touchdowns uh, in all of those games. So that's a, a – for me, this week, it is absolutely Baker. Um, I am and, – and this is a, probably a crazy thing to say, but on that flip side of that, if there's a guy that I'm not trusting at the quarterback position – and I'm trying to say that, like, obviously I love Jalen Hurts too. I'm just assuming that, like, Jalen Hurts is – already been picked up in every league that you're, anybody's playing in. So um, Baker's a guy that like potentially has a chance to be out there. I'm not trusting Russell Wilson this week. I am not starting him uh, in any fantasy championships. Uh, and that goes, I would speak across the board for the entire fantasy department at ESPN and fantasy focus with where Russell Wilson is ranked, how bad they've been each of the last couple of weeks. Um, they are, they have looked really poor. They've given you no glimmer of hope. Uh, they've stopped letting Russ cook. They've obviously invested in uh, Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. Their running game has become much more of a focal point of that offense. And the idea to trust Russell Wilson, absolutely. Like he's the kind of player that could go off on any given week, 
especially against a divisional opponent in the Rams. Like, totally. But he could also have another 11-point game, and that could absolutely crush you. You know, I'm not playing Tyler Lockett in any league unless I get to the 4 p.m. games and I'm down by 30 points and I need a wide receiver that has a higher ceiling and a lower floor. Like he, that's the only way I'm putting Tyler Lockett in any of my fantasy championship lineups is that I get to the 4 p.m. games after seeing the Friday game, the three Saturday games, the other Sunday games. And I'm now at a point where it's like, all right, it's winner go home. I'm going to take out the guys like Kenyon. I don't know if Kenyon Drake has a 4 p.m. game, but I'm making this up. I'm going to take out the Kenyon Drakes or the Edo Smiths or the guys that I feel like, you know, they get into the end zone, they give me a safe 10 points, and I'm going to replace them with a guy that could get me two, but also has a, a higher upside from that perspective. So uh, as far as a quarterback, I trust Baker Mayfield I'm rolling with. Obviously, Jalen Hurts is, is incredible. Like if for any reason he was still out there, totally. Uh, and I'm not trusting Russell Wilson this week. What would you do with – and I'm asking this as somebody who was in a fantasy championship game, as we were talking about before we started recording this. But what do you do with anyone on Pittsburgh's offense at this point? Uh, you start Deontay Johnson probably because even with how bad that offense looks, he's at least a flex play just with the workload that he's getting. I mean, his target share is, is really high. I don't know how you can start – you know. I don't know. You can't start either Chase Claypool or Juju Smith-Schuster with a ton of confidence after watching them just get destroyed by the Bengals. I mean, they look so bad. Ben looks terrible. That whole offense looks out of sync. James Conner is a no thank you for me. Um, I just, I don't know how you play anyone with confidence and hopefully you have options elsewhere where you don't have to do that. Um, because man, they are they fell apart at the worst time. I cannot believe that three weeks ago they were 11 and 0 because they look like the Pittsburgh Jets right now. Like it's <laughs> so bad. So bad. But yeah. So I think you can you can start Deontay Johnson. I think at tight end if Ebron uh plays um and I know he was he you know came out of that game and didn't play the whole rest of this week like tight end is just such a waste field um waste field is that the right word? wasteland wasteland minefield I was gonna say mine land minefield wastefield yeah. works that's a new word on this podcast we're gonna use it yeah uh so anyways I it's such it's such a wasteland that like I think you can roll like if you've got no other better options like you can roll with that but like hopefully you were able to pick up Logan Thomas or Robert Tunyon or somebody else, you know, that's, that's in a better spot than, than that. So, uh, but Ebron is a maybe, and I think definitely Deontay is the only one that I'm comfortable with from the Steelers. So before we, I have one question I want to end on, but before we get to that one from a running back receiver, tight end, basically flex situation, are there guys that you're looking at too, that you're like, yeah, that guy could potentially be really sneaky for you this week. Ooh, well, um, that's tough. There are a couple guys that you could you could look at, and I not to say this anything, but like Antonio Brown is a guy that I have not advocated for uh, in part because he's been pretty bad since coming to the Bucks. Last week he had an okay game, but that was mostly due to like a late 40 plus yard touchdown catch. That being said, they're playing the Lions this week. And we've watched 
I mean, team after team after team. Let me, uh, there's a thing here. 10 times this season has a wide receiver scored 20 plus fantasy points against Detroit. Opponents are averaging nine and a half yards per wide receiver target versus the Lions this year. So if you're averaging nine and a half yards per target and you've got a quarterback and understanding Ronald Jones is going to be out, so they're going to be rolling with Leonard Fournette, the Lions run defense is just vexing. Uh, the way that they're able to shut down. Excuse me? Vexing is being kind. (laughs) Totally, totally. They're mostly bad, but they've had a couple of like really good games against good running backs out of nowhere. Shutting down Aaron Jones a couple weeks ago was like, excuse me, not expected. Um, Leonard Fournette is not, is not as good as I had hoped that he would be, you know, being where he's at right now. Uh, and so when I look at that passing game, like that's where I feel like the Lions are going to get beat. So Antonio Brown is absolutely one of those guys that you could look at. J.D. McKissick, uh, depending on what happens with Aaron Gibson, um, you know, he has been a, a godsend for that Washington football team uh, because he's such a great pass catcher out of the backfield and he's done a ton of things. Knowing that most fantasy leagues are PPR, uh, you know, I, I really like him as well. Um, and Ryan Tannehill. Man, like I just, Ryan Tannehill is one of the safest quarterbacks in the NFL to me. The idea that teams have to respect the run as much as they do with Derrick Henry being that running back. He's had got, you know, A.J. Brown and Corey uh, Davis, both like Johnny Smith, while he has definitely, uh, you know, taken a hit, like he's still a good receiver from that perspective. Like Ryan Tannehill is a guy that I feel very comfortable starting because he's got a very safe floor, but he still has really big upside, man. Like he's, you know, they ran two quarterback sneaks with him this week, like for, for him basically at the goal line. And it was the right call both times. So he's a guy that I would, I, I kind of like as well. Uh, you know, there's a little bit, I don't want to say sneaky, but I'm just, I'm in on him at a time where running quarterbacks are everything that you want when it comes to a fantasy quarterback. Like Ryan Tannehill is one of the non rushing quarterbacks that I really, really like uh, in the, in the playoffs here. By the way, if you're when you're talking about Ryan Tannehill, both of those touchdowns, I think you or I could have walked in on oh yeah on one of them because literally every Lion player sold out on uh you know on on stopping Derrick Henry and and Josh Rosen getting signed to the 49ers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is yep. happening as we're recording this. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, yeah, off of the Tampa Pat Price squad. The last question I do have for you because. For those that don't maybe listen to the Fantasy Focus podcast all the time, but, you know, it's been mentioned every once in a while there. I've mentioned it every once in a while on this podcast. Uh, TJ Hawkinson made the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is more Madden this year. It's all virtual. It's all Madden. I asked TJ Hawkinson today about his Madden gaming skills, and he said Uh, he had none, essentially, and that this could be a little rough for him and that he's going to try and practice once the season's over. So as the best Madden player in our league that we play in together, what tips might you have for TJ Hawkinson to try and not embarrass himself here in three or four weeks? Uh, Running is OP, uh, overpowered in Madden. Like if you can find – it's not as fun of a way to play a game, but if you can have a good running game, that can overcome a lot of stuff. On defense, if you don't know how to play very well, um, good luck. Uh, defense is really tough. 
uh, and I would do the best you can to take a middle linebacker uh, and just sort of guard the middle of the field, play as much zone costs as you possibly can. For this, for an, an introductory player that maybe doesn't know a ton, like make it as simple as you can on yourself. Also, Mike, feel free to give TJ my number. I don't mind doing some private lessons with him. We'll do a Twitch, uh, maybe we'll do a Twitch stream of it, uh, of TJ Hawkinson and I. I can give him a couple, a couple pointers. We'll see how many people we can join. Uh, you know, it'll be a ton of fun. So, I, I, I am bummed because I wish I could be a part of that. I wish that he could just tap me in and they could be like, hey. If you don't want to play, go ahead and tap one person in. It's like, TJ, I'm your guy. I'm your tag team partner. You let me know. I'll be there whenever you need me. Like, let's, let's make this happen. But you and I do have a, a pretty, I mean, we've been doing Madden for a while. Uh, we've got a you know, pretty long-lasting franchise that we have, we have been going back and forth in with a few, a friend of our, a few friends of ours. And I you know, would be happy to get TJ into that as well in case he was looking for some practice. Yeah, I, I don't think that that last thing's going to happen. Yeah. I, I'm going to put my foot down on that. I, I, because A, I don't think that would go well for him. B, I think there's a conflict there. And C, yeah, I, I just can't see him doing that. But maybe he will take you – maybe he is a surprise listener to this podcast, highly doubtful. And maybe he will take you up on – this offer that you have given him to give him Madden lessons because based off of the way he talked today, it sounds like he might need it. I, I think I said it yesterday on the show and I, I really, in some ways w- really, really wish that they had somehow gotten Dom Mulebach into this game this year, because I just uh. wanted to see if Dom Mulebach could actually play Madden because that's, he's my age, like you know, 30, I'm 40 now. He's 39. Like I, I'm just really curious. I wish he's one of the guys that I feel like has gotten screwed in Madden and it, like not Madden's fault, but like, what, how do you do long snappers? Like, how do you rate long snappers? How do you do a thing with them from that perspective? You know, you it's, make them tight ends. You know, this, we spent two days down in I, Florida together learning all of this. You know, the answer to this question. I know the answer, but he's not a tight end because he doesn't do anything else from that perspective. So it's like, I've often wondered like, what if they did like, let's get really in the weeds, Madden. Like let's do long snapper. Like, you know, uh, ratings and and you figure out velocity and you figure out how that factors into block punts and you do for feel you know you do uh holders and like how good are certain guys as holders and you do like i'd love to get that deep in the weeds from that perspective but um, so i'm gonna ask you to make a commitment right here if they okay. ever do that whatever year that is in our yearly draft you have to take a long snapper in the first round oh mike I could take a long snapper in the first four rounds and still dominate the franchise that we have. I, I mean, I, I love you, but it's just. Oh. All right. You know what? Like <laughs> them, them's fighting words. <laughs> them's fighting words right there. And yeah, a long snapper for every down and I'm set. I am good to go. <laughs> I, I did let, I, I was lucky enough to be able to do um, last year to, to play this, the new version of Madden with Matt Prater. We did a little thing and that was a ton of fun. Uh, I don't want to say that I let Matt win, but I, you know, I let Matt win and it was a, it was a good time. Uh, and so I, I'm here whenever anyone has Madden questions, you just hit me up. I'm there for it. Yeah, no, Matt, pra- Matt Prater is a Madden player. There is no doubt about that. That's been documented. I've written about that. And without question, he is definitely a Madden player. I think, oh, yeah. I, I don't remember whether we talked about it when he, he was a guest on the podcast this spring. I don't remember whether we talked about that then, but yeah, no, he is definitely a Madden player for sure. Daniel, thanks as always for coming on, man. I love having you on and uh, grateful for you and grateful for our friendship. And we will, uh, we will definitely talk soon. Sounds good, buddy. Thank you for having me. 
Uh, I love you. Thank you for this opportunity. And, uh, you know, I'll see you out there in the digital football field. I want to thank Daniel for coming on the show. Always enjoy having him on the program because he offers a different perspective than I do for sure with his Lions fandom. And he just, you know, he knows his stuff. So you can follow him at Daniel Dopp, which is at Daniel Dopp, D-O-P-P. You can follow him, and that's on Twitter. You can follow him on Instagram at Something to Break. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein, Facebook, Michael Rothstein Journalist. You know the drill on all of this. I hope you have a great day. I hope you can get at least a little bit of time off this week. We'll be back at you tomorrow with another podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about Adam Peters, the potential general manager candidate from San Francisco. We're going to talk a little bit about Robert Sala, the potential head coaching candidate from San Francisco. We're going to talk about those people with Nick Wagoner. And we'll get to your questions in a mailbag edition of the episode. So stick around and we'll talk with you tomorrow.